Welcome to Altiverse OQ. I wasn't quite sure where I was going with the intro there. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And we're your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast form. And Devin. Yes, Luke. You know how we like that Brian Michael Bendis. The BMB? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this week... I went into my time machine and went back several years so that Brian Michael Bendis wrote both of our stories this week. You want to do a second take on that yawn? Or on that what? What? Say what? Say what? Yeah. Uh, So we are going to be covering this week Ultimate X-Men 34 through 39, a.k.a. Blockbuster, and then Ultimate Spider-Man, 47 through 53, Cats and Kings. And, Devin? Yes, Luke? How are you doing this morning? Good. I am sleepy, but good. Having a crazy wild night last night? Played Dinosaur Island, then Cthulhu Pandemic. Hmm. Ported games. Yeah. Nice. I went and saw America's favorite pastime, sports-wise, baseball. I'm doing that actually after we're done here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are you going to see the Minneapolis Mud Hens play someone? Yes. Is I'm actually... the tr- no, I'm seeing the Twin City Twins. Oh, so you're and by seeing... that I mean Minnesota Twins, but yes. Twins! Like that? Yeah. Yeah. With the highest nice. record, apparently, in baseball. Nice. Yeah. I actually don't know who won the game last night, because <sighs> we left at the eighth inning. Let's check wow. out that. But we're taking a lift. And it was like one-to-one. It was a fast-moving game. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out. Oh, okay. Uh, Indianapolis Indians won. I did end up getting a very cool Valeros t-shirt, though, because apparently every Friday, the Columbus Clippers are celebrating Latin culture by calling themselves the Valeros. That's how you picture. Mm-hmm. I bought a shirt. Sports. Nice. Now we're relatable enough to get to talking about Ultimate X-Men. So, yeah, we're in a weird position with Ultimate X-Men right now. Like, I feel like this was Bendis being like, oh, I've got an idea and I want to use my friends Daredevil and Spider-Man for a story. Mark, are you fine going off and making poor political choices for the future? Right now, will I go and tell the story? Mark was like, Hey, mate, I think I am. Also, I equate tossing milkshakes at people with actual physical violence. Oh, Mark Millar. You're dumb. Uh, but yeah. So, this arc was written by Brian Michael Bendis with pencils by David Finch, inks by Art the Bear, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. We start off with Wolverine eating at Gershwin's Diner, which, as far as I could tell, was not an actual New York location and was also sort of a weird way of spelling Gershwin. 
That is a weird way. Even to yeah. the point where Google Docs has you spelled it wrong. Yeah, it's spelled G-I-R-S-H win. It's like, I, I don't like that spelling, Bendis. Nope. Bendis makes some weird choices in this arc. From the spelling to the storyline. Yeah. So a blonde-haired woman enters the diner, recognizes Wolverine, comments on his fame, and then pays his bill, which confuses the uh, cook-slash-diner owner, and then leaves. And she calls someone. Wolverine is about to ask her something, probably ketchup, because Canadians love ketchup. Mm-hmm. When he looks outside to see three diaper vans that open fire, Wolverine is unable to avoid all the bullets that come into his body, but when the woman comes back with the crowd to look and investigate, he has left. And it's really weird that there's diaper vans that they refer to as diaper trucks, because they're clearly vans. Yeah. And why are there diaper vans in three of them? Because that is incredibly suspicious. Someone would have picked up on that. Yeah. Who who needs that many diapers? Maybe if it was three flowers by Irene vans, that would be one thing. But yeah, I it's it's just a weird choice that immediately was like, this is taking me out of the story. Also, Bendis, those are vans. Though diaper truck does sound a lot better than diaper van. I mean, I agree. Anyways, they should have been <sighs> since that was the like early two thousands. They should have been bands, fans. Spider Man is meanwhile worried about the PSATs and also money. And when he gets home, Wolverine takes him by surprise in the basement, and Peter starts punching him through webs that he put on Wolverine until Wolverine gets him to stop and explains that he had initially followed Peter home when they first met to make sure that he was who he said he was. But now Wolverine needs help, and so they hide him overnight. But also, Mary Jane walks in and sees Wolverine in advance, because he's all full of bullets and gross stuff. Sleepover. Wolverine wakes up two days later and then finds that the fans are now outside the house. Inside the van, the people inside are debating blowing up the house and making it look like an accident. Inside, Peter suits up, and Wolverine stabs himself to mess with the life tracker, and then moves in to flip over the truck, disrupting the mission, and then Wolverine heads back to the diner. He threatens the owner, who who reveals that the bill the woman paid for the meal with had a note telling him to leave because they were an FBI task force. But afterward, he looked into it, and the FBI had no knowledge. Wolverine figures that they have ties to the military and probably have his Weapon X file. I mean, like, yeah, no duh, Wolverine. Wolverine heads to Soho to talk to Black Widow, who he has a history with, albeit a very short and intense one, and they both point out the dangers of being in the public. Spider-Man comes in, recognizes Black Widow, asks if she'll pay him for stealing his gauntlets, and she makes them leave. I do like Spider-Man having, or I do like Spider-Man wanting to ask for money from the people who he saved or who have taken things from him. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, Black Widow should have just given him the $85. I agree. 
Spider-Man and Wolverine regroup, and Spider-Man says his Spider-Sense might help keep Wolverine safe moments before a rocket impales his chest and drives him into a wall. Meanwhile, the choppers that shot the missile starts firing bullets at Spider-Man, and he ends up trying to go after Wolverine, but he stays silent so that Spider-Man doesn't see him. Daredevil ends up approaching Wolverine, asking if he's responsible for the bombing, and then warns that the people who actually did it are here, and then Daredevil pieces off. It is very weird that Daredevil's just like, are you responsible for the bombing? Oh, no, I see the people who are responsible for it are here. Okay, I'm going to leave now. Also, I see that you've been like shot with missiles and like a bunch of bajillion other things, too. Hi, Wolverine. It looks like you've been shot with a missile. Would you like help with your essay? Ultimate Daredevil is Marvel Flippy. <laughs> also, I did do my research, and this came out uh, at the start of the year that the whole um, Ultimate uh, Electra series initially came out, which is why we're going to see more inconsistencies with Daredevil and Electra. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. So the blonde woman shows up calling Wolverine Logan and shows off her soldiers with adamantium deflecting armor before shooting him in the head with adamantium bullets, eventually knocking Wolverine out and ranting about how he's all famous now and now this is her revenge for the people that he killed before Daredevil stops her, telling them to get out of Hell's Kitchen. Back at the expansion, Jean has a vision of Wolverine asking for help, which ruins everybody's breakfast. Naturally. And so while Daredevil has them stuck in sort of a stalemate, Spider-Man swings in, which gets them to start shooting at him, which angers Daredevil. Spider-Man gets them out, though, and Wolverine is able to heal, pushing the bodies from his head. And Daredevil hears the spooky military ops people talking and planning for the second wave and tells Wolverine to take them out of the city if there's going to be more damage, take them out of the crowd, Buy them some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if they ever get back. Because it's root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. And then Wolverine has Spider-Man take them to where the woman will be at the old ball game. And he takes her by surprise and asks who she is. And at first she's like, I'm your wife. And then she punches him in the jaw when he is shocked by this. And then she just is like, I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm your sister. I'm your mother. And Wolverine is ready to kill her when the attack helicopter returns. And Daredevil also returns and is like, hey, Wolverine, I told you to get her out of the city. And Spider-Man is like, hey, why don't you have the X-Men involved? And the woman has already left by this point because the helicopter distracted them and Wolverine's like, Hey, Bob, I believe in Xavier's dream, but he doesn't know my past. I also don't really know my past. And he doesn't force me to, uh... He doesn't want to force me to deal with my past. Or wait, shit. And I don't want to force them to deal with my past. But the X-Men show up because Peter had already called them. See, look at that ultimate Peter. Also Teen Narc. But he's not a cop. That's true. Wolverine wakes up in the memory of the Weapon X lab, where his memories begin with Professor Xavier invading his memories to help figure out what is going on. 
He ends up seeing the blonde woman with Wraith, and Wolverine wakes up, realizing the attacks are being done by, and being decommissioned by uh, Weapon X agents. Uh, you might want to take a second run at that. I don't do two takes. Amateurs like you do two takes. I Wolverine do wakes one up realizing take. the attacks are being done by decommissioned Weapon X agents. Xavier asks why he left, and Wolverine explains he doesn't think they really trust, even though they want him back. And Xavier says, no shit, Wolverine. They are teens, and you tried to murder one of them. My pal. My son. Cyclops. And his teen bride. Aw, yeah. Charles then checks in with Nick Fury, who wants to handle this as a matter of national security because Wraith's men were loyal to him. Xavier wants to pursue this as a mutant hate crime, and Fury tells him just to keep Logan back, or they'll take him too. Wolverine talks to Jean, who says that she still won't forgive him or forget what he did, and that if he thinks anything appropriate about her, uh, she will kill him but then she senses a helicopter nearby that is looking for Logan and the other mutants, and so she turns into the Phoenix and destroys the helicopter. The X-Men then find her unconscious body, and Nightcrawler takes her back to Xavier, who helps to comfort her in a weird scene where it looks like Xavier is going to, like, mind wipe her so she forgets that she murdered people. That's awfully nice of Charles. I mean, he doesn't, but I think he's just like, hey, murder is all right. Kurt comes back and asks to go with Wolverine, and Cyclops is like, oh no, all of us are going to go on this field trip. We all want to get the, uh, we all want to get our jollies off on beating up decommissioned Weapon X agents. So in the secret base, the blonde woman is talking to her superior on a webcam who had hired them to kill Wolverine, and he cuts her off and tells her to leave. The X-Men come in with Bobby somehow destroying the computers, the blonde woman kills her compatriots and then kills herself before she can be stopped. And take us home. Dum Dum Dugan of The Shield. Mutant Ops Division comes in. He dresses them down for busting in so they could wipe their trail because someone high in the government still wants to kill Wolverine and all the X-Men. And all the X-Men have done is united the people who hate mutants. Back at the school, Jean is talking to someone mysterious for comfort about the murders, and Wolverine is stuck wondering about who his real wife was. His wife. Which then brings us to Ultimate Spider-Man 47 through 53, written by Brian Michael Bendis with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Earth the Bear, colors by Transparency Digital, and J.D. Smith, with letters by Chris Eliopoulos. When the Enforcers are trying to collect the money that Fisk is owed, Spider-Man busts in and he fights them and then leaves them for the police to find. Kingpin bails him out, but he is unhappy that Spider-Man is continuing to cost him money, especially after he had to pay like $3 million to get back into the country, and his lawyer suggests a political strategy, so they throw support behind Sam Bullitt, who is running for district attorney, now with an anti-Spider-Man bent, which J. Jonah Jameson... Yeah, happy to endorse. Which Jane Jonah Jameson? Yay! Is happy to endorse, which hurts Peter on the inside emotionally. 
and potentially sometimes physically. Mary Jane, meanwhile, made a list of everyone who knows the secret identity, and Peter isn't handling everything super well, and Mary Jane, seeing the political thing is bothering him, suggests it might be someone on the list, which Kingpin is not on. Spider-Man is getting effectively vilified. Kingpin is cleared of charges due to the evidence of him literally killing a man on tape falling through. Oh, wait, that should be... Oh, wait, nope, nope, Dew is fine. Yeah, Dew is fine. Robbie Robertson, meanwhile, is angry about Jameson backing Bullet against Spider-Man, and when Peter tries to talk to them not going after Kingpin, Peter is fired. Peter's clutching... Wait, yes? Which is a, like, good bit, because this pulls out... Like, this is a very good Jameson... Oh, 100%. ...for, like, learning about some of his interior motivations. Ultimate Jameson's the best. Mm-hmm. Peter's collecting his belongings and Jameson tells him it's how he said what he said and Peter bites back ask, saying he asked him a question that Jameson didn't want to answer and that's why he was fired and this just makes Jameson even angrier but then Robbie sticks up for Peter and calls Jameson on his shit Peter swings home as Spider-Man and he swings past Kingpin's tower and a bullet anti-Spider-Man poster, he decides to menace the Kingpin, but he fails to break through the glass, and Kingpin just taunts him for being powerless. At school, Peter asks his teacher about the justice for Kingpin killing a dude and getting off, and he brings up the issues that he has, some of which are pretty reasonable, but Mm -hmm. he ends up getting onto a rant mode, and he is asked to leave. And we find out later he gets suspended when he goes to visit Aunt May at work. And he's still upset about the Kingpin and basically Kingpin getting away with all of his crimes. Aunt May thinks that he's really upset about Uncle Ben, but knowing that Peter is also upset about the job, she calls up Jameson and chews him out in one of the best scenes. Ultimate Aunt May is the best. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Ben Urich is interviewing Sam Bulladon what is supposed to be a puff piece and starts questioning him about Spider-Man and other masked heroes and uses this to lead him to ask about mutants and Bullet tries to give a very political non-answer about his stance. Yurik then points out a photo with Bullet and his law partner who is Fisk's lawyer and Fisk on the wall. He asks if Bullet has any opinion on Fisk and mob lawyers and trips him up into saying that his partner works for the mob Bullet gets angry, threatens him, steals his recorder, breaking it, and then kicks him out. Back at the office, Jonah is shocked about what Yurik did, which included recording everything on a hidden second mic, and Jonah is stuck, not wanting to admit that he's wrong, which is when the call from Aunt May comes in. As Jonah is walking to his parking spot, the enforcers are waiting for him because he took back his endorsement for Bullet and then connected Bullet to organized crime in the city. They try to threaten him into recanting, but luckily Spider-Man shows up since he wanted to confront Jameson too, and ultimately he takes down the Enforcers again, quipping about how they always get bailed out, but but they get dropped on him. But then they get the drop on him. But then they get the drop on him. Jameson, though, pulls out a recording device and shows he knows who they are and starts asking about their connection to the Kingpin and Bullet, which distracts them long enough for Spider-Man to regain his bearings and knocks them out. Spider-Man confronts Jameson, asking for a thank you, and Jameson asks him why he wears a mask. 
And Spider-Man just comments that he heard Jameson change his support on Bullet and leaves, and then the Enforcers decide to break up. R.I.P. the Enforcers. Enforcers are such a good villain group. Mm-hmm. Peter gets home and finds Jameson waiting for him, who explains he lost his son on the Orion NASA exploration due to a technical malfunction, where everything else was classified and he didn't get to bury a body. Jameson confesses his judgment was clouded, but he doesn't think Spider-Man is a hero, but he isn't sure why. But because Peter asked the big question, he has decided to hire Peter back to start working with Ben Urich. Spider-Man then runs into the Kingpin with the new bugle headed or sorry, with the new bugle heading to crying the Kingpin. Kingpin tries to threaten him, and Spider-Man isn't afraid, and then he leaves, having webbed Kingpin's feet to the floor. Later, a mysterious woman breaks into an office building with a mix of agility, technology, and luck and steals a tablet from a vault. Spider-Man catches her as she is leaving, getting distracted because she's hot. And then he gets left in the dust with his webs of us failing him. And he keeps coming back, and they get into a fight as she tries to escape. But because Peter keeps having bad luck, she gets away. When he gets back to hang out with MJ and study... He is focused on the mysterious woman while Mary Jane is trying to study for the midterms. Peter admits that he's thinking about hanging up the costume for a bit, and Mary Jane is supportive of it, if that's what he wants. But Peter also admits that he wants to just spend more time with her. Mary Jane is meanwhile having issues with her dad who had cheated on her mom, and Peter says he would never cheat on her because they both love each other, they plan to get married, they kiss, and then Aunt May interrupts them because Mary Jane's dad, who we have never seen before, showed up with her diary, which he decided to read. He's concerned about Mary Jane writing ambiguously about how she almost died on a bridge, and Peter won't respond or explain, so Mary Jane's father forbids them from seeing each other, and Aunt May forces Mary Jane's father out. Aunt May asks why, and Peter lies, saying that she'd almost fallen at the park, which Aunt May doesn't necessarily explain, but then Aunt May and Gwen, being good neighbors, go by to walk by the Watson house to make sure that they don't hear anything going on inside, leaving Peter alone to focus on a new set of worries, like the news showing him chasing after the woman dubbed the Black Cat, asking if he is working together. Meanwhile, Deanie, who is Kingpin's lawyer, is upset about the theft of the tablet from Mr. Moore, the man whose vote was stolen from, because Kingpin was supposed to purchase it, and Moore thinks that Kingpin might have been behind it. Deanie ends up giving Moore a contact card to help resolve things, and Deanie threatens him to make sure that he finishes the job of bringing Fisk the tablet. At school, Peter gets detention for falling asleep in class because the news report kept him up all night. He tries to talk to Mary Jane, who is worried about her father separating them, and they get into a blow-up. At the Daily Bugle, Robbie gives Peter the personal ads to enter into the system and finds a request for a half-page ad from the cat to Spider-Man, asking for them to meet. Moore, meanwhile, goes to the location and pays Electra the money needed to get her to retrieve the tablet. At the time the story was published, Ultimate Electra had not started yet. Peter tries to call MJ, but her father picks up and considers going to meet the cat to talk to her and finds her waiting with wine and cheese to talk with him. Spider-Man has issues with her criminal side, but decides to share a drink with her, and when that's when Electra attacks. 
Deanie, meanwhile, lets Fist know that Electra is going after the tablet as Black Cat and Electra get into a fight and Spider-Man watches. During the fight, Black Cat says she's not her father and tosses away Electra's size. Cat is kicked into Spider-Man, who gets up and interrupts their fight and tries to get them to stop, but Electra fights Spider-Man instead, who is then tossed off the roof and barely survives the fall. Peter, as he climbs back up, flagellates himself for all of his bad choices, only to see everyone else left. Deanie then reports the news to Kingpin while Aunt May gets a call that Mary Jane went missing and Aunt May's a chick with Peter who she can't find and she thinks they ran away together until P she finds Peter getting a late night drink. Aunt May tells him that Mary Jane went missing and he runs over to the Watson house. Mary Jane's father th tries to threaten him and Peter uh, stops him and Mary Jane's mom asks him for help. Peter racks his brain around what happened and realizes she's in the warehouse where she hid before and wakes her up. They talk things out, with Mary Jane saying she's worried about losing Peter because her father threatened to send her away to make them miserable like he is and wants to split them up. Peter says they need to head home, though, but Peter promises he will always be there. At the bugle, Peter decides to look up cat burglars and finds, amongst other names of characters yet to appear in the Ultimate Universe, Jack Hardy, who he connects to the Black Cat, a.k.a. Felicia Hardy, who currently works for Fisk, who also pieced things together at this moment. Kingpin and Electra caught her at work because she was planning revenge for her father ending up in prison for reasons that we don't yet understand. Spider-Man stops Kingpin, allowing the Black Cat to escape with help, uh, she has the tablet, which is something that Kingpin wanted, and tosses it into the river. Electra throws a sigh into Black Cat, causing her to fall off of the roof of the building that they're on. But when Spider-Man looks for her, she vanishes, and when Spider-Man gets back from checking for them, Kingpin and Electra have also gone as well. And we find out that Kingpin wants the tablet to help his wife recover, because she is currently in a coma. I feel like... Blockbuster is a story where not a lot happens. Agreed. And Cats and Kings is a good one, but like the ending feels so sort of rushed and tacked on, mm -hmm. like they needed to wrap it up for the trade. Like one more issue would have really flushed it out. Yeah. Because that, oh, we figured out who she is, should have been like a last issue cliffhanger more than it was or a penultimate cliffhanger mm -hmm. more than it was agreed yep but now Devin my good good friend because we have wrapped up these two pretty short stories all things considered are you ready to rank them let's rank them okay so up first we have ultimate spider-man volume er, so up first we have ultimate x-men Volume 1, numbers 34 through 39. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. And, I mean, there's nothing actively bad about it. There's just a lot of weird choices in it. Mm-hmm. Like the diaper trucks and them putting Daredevil in for sort of like no real reason, especially considering how little he does. They just wanted to get um, that name wreck in there. Mm -hmm. Pump up them sales. How do you feel about it compared to that Spider-Man one-half issue? Um, I like it a little bit more than that. 
Uh, right above that is World Tour, which I think is more consistent overall. I would agree. So our new number, 21, is Ultimate X-Men Volume 1, numbers 34 through 39, Blockbuster. We then have Cats and Kings, Spider-Man 47 through 53. And I thought it was pretty good overall. Uh How do you feel about it compared to Ultimate War? I like it more than that. Uh, Do you think it's better than the first volume of Ultimate Spider-Man Power and Responsibility? Mm, yes I don't think it's better than Daredevil and Elektra okay uh, just because of like what we mentioned with the rush at the end sort of in- yeah. yeah so that is our new number 7 bringing us up to a total of 39 stories and Devin do you know what we didn't cover this week? Huh, Luke Ultimate Spider-Man number 46. But you know why? Because it's going to tie in next week with the next volume. Well, on the next episode. Whatever. Yep. Uh, Next time we are going to be covering Ultimate Adventures 1 through 6, which I remember nothing about. What is that new character that... The Batman and Robin animal. yeah. That was part of the You Choose thing that also included Mar- uh, Marvel and uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. So we'll probably be talking about that next time. Uh, we're also going to be covering Ultimate Six. That was a good volume. I also remember nothing about that. So, uh, good times ahead. This was not the arc where... Black Cat finds out that Peter is a minor then vomits on him. Specifically, vomits on his dick. Yep. But before that, you know what else we have coming up, Devin? What, Luke? X-Men movie tie-in. For that movie that I'm very indifferent towards. Yeah, I feel like we should figure out something, though. Probably. Uh... Yeah, we'll we'll figure that out off the air. But uh, Devin, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me online at FedEffetus, F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at at Coltrick. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Uh, you can find both of us on the Exad Podcast at exadpodcast.com. You can also find me on the RPG Pals Club Podcast at rpgpals.club. And... Uh, yeah, Ultiverse Q is a alternating week podcast, minus bonus episodes that we do for movie tie-ins or other reasons when we have them. And yeah, I kind of think that's it. If you enjoy the show, please like, rank, and review us and all that sort of stuff. You know what it's like. Just keep it simple, keep it sleazy, and have a good weekend. We'll catch you on the flip mode. Peace. Peace.